from their studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona, it's the Boomer and the Babe Show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the Boomer and the Babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. And welcome to the Boomer and the Babe Show. This is Tuesday, December 11th, 2012. It's 11 o'clock in Arizona. And it's nine. It's ten o'clock. I'm sorry, on the West Coast, and one o'clock after lunch on the East Coast. And we trust everybody's either prepared for or is having a great lunchtime and an enjoyable afternoon. Hopefully, regardless of what it is you're doing, working, or listening to us on the internet. Either way, we hope you enjoy your day. Uh, I'm Pete Peters. Deborah's not with us today, unfortunately. She works a lot with our people that we work uh, together in publishing their books and their mini books and their e-books and so on and so forth. So she's uh, dealing with clients today, wrapping up uh, a book that she's that's going to be out and printed yet before Christmas and up and the author will be giving them his gift. So uh, she's uh, desperately on deadline with that. So we're going to not have her with us today. And uh, that's too bad because this is, a, this is a topic that I know that she would be very, very interested in. Uh, I'd love to invite you all to go to boomerthebabe.com, see everything else that we are involved in beyond this radio show. Uh, we have our own little network here on the Blog Talk platform, and we have several people that have their own shows on our network, as well as the shows that we do, our Straight Down the Middle Gulf show, our Making It Small Business show, uh, and, of course, Arizona Boomer Radio, that it's just primarily about Arizona baby boomers and Arizona topics, as well as the Boomer the Babe show, which is more natural in, uh, national in scope. And we uh, make sure that we try to have good guests, and today is no exception. Her name is Polly Campbell. She's the author of a book called Imperfect Spirituality. And we're going to find out about imperfect spirituality. Polly, welcome to the Boomer the Babe show. Hi, Pete. Thanks for having me. Well, we're certainly glad that you're here with us today. Uh, I, I'm amazed, uh, not amazed, I'm intrigued by the name. Uh, and I, as I was saying before when we were talking uh, prior to coming on air, uh, and I want to get into all that good stuff about the book and how it came to be and what it really means and so on and so forth and what the, some of the contents and <clears throat> excuse me and practices are. Uh, but before we do that, um, we always ask our guests to give us a two-minute movie, and that is... Uh, your life, uh, as Deborah would say, laser beam style. Prior to <laughs> prior to being on the show with me today, and prior possibly to your writing the book, it probably started out as a very young child. And uh, and if you'd like to start there, we'd love to have you start there. Yeah, you know, I was one of those nerdy kids. I I knew by the time I was in second grade that I was going to be a writer, and. Um, I pursued that, and uh, I've, I'm a magazine writer, and now I have a couple of books out, including the one we're talking about today, and and I've done all sorts of things. I've been a newspaper reporter. I've sold snow cones at a, a beachside stand to work my way through college and, and all of that. Now I am also the mother to a, a six-and-a-half-year-old. i got to add in the half because that's the part that she cares about. So six-and-a-half. Yeah. I have two aging cats, two boomer cats probably, that only they have bad attitudes. They're not like the other boomers I know. And um, my husband is a science-minded guy, and I'm the the writer-minded gal, and um, I've been married for 10 years. And so when I'm not talking about the book and on my book tour and, and uh, doing this, I, I, I practice a lot of spiritual 
practices myself. The stuff I write about is the stuff I live by and care about in my own life. And I write about it for magazines and on my blog and um, just try to try to live each moment a little better than the last and enjoy myself in the process. Well, why don't why don't we just jump right into our our conversation here about uh the topic of your book and that is uh where where did the idea come from uh or for imperfect spirituality mm-hmm. and and also uh define by your terms what is imperfect spirituality? Sure. You know, I have always, even since I was a little kid, been interested in this notion that our sh- our thoughts shape our reality. So I've always looked to, to personal development strategies and, and spiritual practices to really create the life that, that I want to live until about six years ago. And things kind of fell apart for me. I had this young baby. She was about six months old at the time. And um, that was a big adjustment for me. I, I cut back on my work, and it wasn't totally comfortable for me, and it changed my relationship uh, in the household, how my husband and I were, and the whole bit. And at the same time, I was diagnosed with melanoma. And so my world got kind of shaken up. And I didn't handle that very well. The way I started was by blaming people and saying, well, if you would just do it this way, I would I would not be so stressed out and, and all of that. And, and then I, I became more thoughtful. And I realized that the reason why things were falling apart were, were that I, I was feeling so dissatisfied in my life was not that things were wrong, but that I wasn't connecting to my spirit the same way. The practices I had used before the baby, such as meditation and contemplation and journaling and and solitude, those weren't happening the same way because it's pretty hard to meditate with a screaming baby in the back room. And by the time I got time to myself, I just wanted a shower and a glass of wine. I was not in a position where I was connecting to my spirit in the same way. When I realized that, I backed up a little and I decided, okay, I'm a spiritual being like I I believe we all are. And these things help me in the moment to reduce my stress and to make me feel better and help me be more productive. So I need to find a way to connect back to this essence, this source of who I am, even while I'm washing the dishes or changing the diapers or working or whatever it was. So I started my, I changed my practice to include these many exercises while I was literally washing the dishes or washing my hands. I could be mindful. I could meditate in the shower. Uh, you know, and I, I, I became, my spirituality became very, very practical. And I, I realized then that, you know, we have all these rules, not only about spirituality, but our lives, these ideals, what kind of mother we need to be, what kind of grandparent we need to be, what kind of employee. We always have these things we have to measure up to. And, and spirituality is the same way. People think if they can't meditate the so-called right way, there's no point in doing it. And what I realize is that ideal, that mark, those rules we think we have to follow are really keeping us held back and really catching us up in our life. So instead of then trying to be this ideal mother who had it all figured out or this, you know, I, I at that point I, I was having a pretty serious health scare and and feeling like my body was failing and that wasn't measuring up, instead of looking at my life in all these ways that was failing, I started looking at my life in, in what was working and realizing that I am not something that needs to be fixed. I don't have to blame or deny or hide from who I am. 
I can accept all that I am, including the messiness and the imperfection. And when you do that, you have all this energy then to put into what is working, your talents and your strengths and your love and your compassion and your abilities. So I started instead of trying to live up to some arbitrary arbitrary measure of perfection or some ideal to just being completely who I am, which is sometimes really good and sometimes not so good, and accepting all of that. And it, it freed me up to really step into my life in a different way and, and you know use these spiritual practices to support that, but to really live a bigger life and a, and a happier life and a more satisfying life. And, and it has worked for me. And then I wrote about it. That That's where this book came from. What uh, What is, in your mind, uh, what is spirituality? Is it uh, is it a belief in a higher being? Is it, uh, does it have religious overtones or, or undercurrents? Uh, what is being spiritual? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think that can be a loaded word for people. And I think you're also free to define that word how you desire. What I really believe it to be is um, is a, a deeper relationship with myself, a place that I get to that is the essence of who I am, the source of all my energy. Now, for me, that is a belief in a higher energy, but it does not have religious overtones. It it certainly you can practice spirituality by being by going to church but i i do not go to church and i'm a very spiritual person and i think it it is not reliant on belief in um in in a a certain doctrine or uh perspective it is in my in my view a relationship with yourself with the knowledge that that you are marvelous and that there is much to you and that you are all of it. And with that certainly comes a certain faith. But by faith I'm talking, for me, faith is is this belief that I'm doing just what I need to be doing, that I'm where I just need to be, even if it's uncomfortable or, or uh, scary or fabulous or whatever it is. So my faith, uh, it doesn't come loaded with the... Uh, the white-bearded man in the sky. Although, if that's your belief, that's fine too. There are no rules about this. It's a, it's about how you define it, how you find that quiet place within where you are in touch with all that you are, the energy of all that is. And, um, and spirituality then and these practices are about fostering that relationship with yourself, that essence uh, with yourself. It's about getting close to that. So in your estimation, then, it's entirely possible for uh, a person that has no belief whatsoever in any kind of a supreme being can still be a very spiritual person. Absolutely. I absolutely think that. And and I think um, that on a real bare-bones level, this is practical stuff, too. You know, this makes you feel better. This eases your stress. And if you are less stressed, you're also physically healthier. We know that now that most of the chronic diseases we're dealing with um, involve a component of, of stress. And so if you can manage the moment by using these things to just feel better, to just be connected to something that works better for you rather than the stress and the angst that we are so filled with, then uh, it, it, spirituality becomes very practical and you can see it working in your life. The the um have you have you noticed some 
physical changes in you since you've written the book? Yeah, you know, I I really have, and um, and I've had a number of physical issues in my life. Anyhow, I when I was a child, I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and uh, and that's something I still work with today. Um, and so one thing that that this knowledge helped me with, and that writing the book really reaffirmed for me, is is that you know these things that come up physically in our lives. We spend a lot of time being angry about that and being scared and instead of accepting what is. And and um, one of the things that was happening to me during the book is, is because of the arthritis, I had chosen this more spiritual path. I figured what I couldn't do physically, I would do uh, spiritually and, and intellectually. And so I really worked on my mind and my heart center and how I was going to live this life that way. But... When I wrote the book, I realized that that's incomplete. We cannot be whole if we're denying one whole aspect of ourselves. And so by shutting out my body and just ignoring the arthritis and the complication that that added to my life, I was I was not whole. I was I was trying to hide and deny one aspect of who I was. So what I did is I started acting more compassionately with my body, you know, and instead of saying, well, I can't exercise because it, it just I have too much pain, I decided just to incorporate activity in my life. It could be anything. It could be on the floor playing with my kid, but 20 minutes a day I was going to be physically active. And that turned into a, a manageable workout routine and a walk around the neighborhood, and, and good things came from that. So I'm much physically more physical and healthier now than I was when I wrote the book. But mostly it, it, it got me to a place where I could see that all these components to myself, they're not wrong. They're just who I am. The arthritis is no more important or less important than my brown eyes or my curly hair or all of that. It's not something to be judged. It's something to, to live with. And, and so it really helped me to be softer in my life and, and to be uh, more accepting of myself. And, and when you're there, that's very freeing. Then, you can, then you're brave enough to go do other things and, and to experience different aspects of life that are, that are fun. You mentioned mind, body, and you also mentioned uh, heart center, I think. Mm. Uh, yeah. What, what, is, what is the heart center? You know, I think, and I'm speaking from total experience, I'm a very organized, type A, predictable type of person. And so for much of my life, I was really living from a place where I'd think it through. I would analyze it. I would judge it. I would evaluate. I would predict. I would whatever. I would think about it. And what I try to do now is live from my heart. So I look I go more to the qualities now in my life of love and compassion and flow and energy, the things that you would typically think of originating from that heart place. So when we think of love, we get a, a physical image of a heart shape or we think of it coming from our our heart area, that, that kind of energy. And so we have all these symbols in our culture for that. But we don't think in terms of living from that place. And when I talk about the mind-body-spirit connection, for me the spirit connection originates from that heart place. So when I'm leading with my heart, meaning when I'm trying to uh, be accepting, when I'm um, living with integrity and truth, when I am loving and compassionate um, first, then it's clear intellectually what choices I need to make or what I need to do next or whatever um, to make the right decisions in my life and to gain clarity. When I'm living from my head first, then that's when I get 
wrapped up in all these obsessive thoughts that scare us and keep us back and sabotage our success or the ones that make us, you know, help us gossip or feel insecure or whatever. So when I talk about living from the heart center, what I'm really saying is lead with your heart, lead with love, lead with compassion, lead with kindness, and then use that information and that approach to inform your head, to get the intellectual information you need to go forward in your life and make the decisions you want to do next. It's a it's a more benevolent way of, of living, and, and it just feels better. It feels, it feels easier to me to, to try to lead with compassion before I overanalyze or predict or judge anything else. Well, I... Uh, I, I... I'm listening to what you're saying, and I'm and I'm. What's coming to my mind is um, in the business in the business world, the business community that 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 I operate in primarily. There's mm-hmm. uh, we we do a lot of networking, and uh, there's there's one national international organization that their motto is "Givers Gain." Uh, and and yeah. a lot a lot of the independent a lot of the independent networking groups uh, talk about uh, uh, building relationships and and being helpful and and that will that will come back to you mm-hmm. because, uh, and so on. So it sounds as though uh, what you're doing is living your life uh, along those lines of what these business uh, people are promoting for the purpose of having a better business. Uh, yeah, and it kind of seems almost like it's fitting that your philosophies and and what they're suggesting as a way of operating are kind of hand in glove. Yeah, I I absolutely agree, and I'm sure you see this, Pete, in your in in all of your work. You know, I think it's it's hand in glove with everything. This is not about laying down and waiting for life to come to you or uh, being woo-woo, happy, blissful all the time. That's not what I'm talking about. That may come to you, but I'm not blissful every moment. You know, the spirituality stuff is not is not making me skinny or rich or any of that, but it's making me feel better. And because I'm giving better, I do better. I'm feeling better. I do better. And And it has translated to my business. It has translated to my relationship with my husband and my friends. It's made me a better mother. Because when you feel better, you do better. When you are giving what you have to give, which is your love and your compassion and your patience and your energy and all those things, you get that in return. Even in the moment, you know, there's a lot of science uh, to back this up. And and one of the most basic things they know now, the bigwigs, is that there's this effect called the helper's high. When you give to another person, it changes your body chemistry. All the good hormones and endorphins start shooting off all the all the stuff that makes us feel good. And we literally physically feel healthier when we give to another person. So the effect is is pretty immediate. And then you're giving that out in the world, and so so people are more inclined to support you and and to give to you. And and like my six-year-old, she'll say, nice gets nice. You know, you act nice, you get nice. You don't go into it looking for that. But certainly you get the immediate uh, feeling, the sense of, of joy and, and goodness that, that comes from the helper's high and knowing that you're living for the right place for you, so that releases your stress and, and all those things. And in return, yes, I, I think um, giving, get what your slogan was, giving gains or giving... Uh, uh, well, it's it's a slogan for a... A national network organization, yeah. which is Givers Gain. 
Yeah, giver's game. I absolutely on a whole lot of levels. And and the other thing that the psychologists now know too is there's a so-called effect that they're calling it mirror neurons or emotional contagion is an aspect of this. And that is when you reach out with kindness, you create waves of kindness in your life. And when you reach out with negativity and anger and hostility, you also create waves of that energy. So it comes back to you, and, and we have all felt this. You, maybe you're having a great day, and um, your partner walks in, and, and he's in a grouchy mood, and all of a sudden it changes your tone. It changes how you feel. Or you're having a, a not-so-good day, and, and people with some real vibrant personality come in, and, and they kind of pick you up. We spread emotions to each other. So when you are reaching out with kindness, you are literally creating waves of love and kindness around you and out to the world. And in a very real way, you're contributing to, to major and important changes in the world. And, of course, that's going to come back to help you in business and in relationships and whatever it is that's important to you in your life. Let's take this on a macro scale because what you said okay. to me, what you, what you just said makes absolutely perfect sense to me. And I can relate it to exactly what this country has gone through just recently mm-hmm. and is going through now, with all this rancor and this yeah. this turmoil and apparent hatred and vindictiveness and I mean yeah, yeah. name name the nasty word uh, and and it's it, and it can be uh, it can be demonstrated by our our. Our politicians, whether it's national, local, or or state or regional, they're all they're all doing this thing, whatever this mm-hmm. thing is, and it's always about uh, they're they're battling, butting heads, and and mm-hmm. I know and I know for a fact that there was nobody that was more involved in uh, in listening to the punditry uh, punditry and all and all of that uh, on the. Uh, on the television than I was sitting in an office in my office and I would have the thing on low in the background but if I could hear something if I heard something that that piqued my interest I would look up to see who say, who's saying what about <laughs> yeah. to, to who right. about what you know and and I and it gets to the point that it just drags you down mm-hmm. you say, and, and I and I'd say to Deborah I said turn that damn thing off mm-hmm. this is, I mean I'm just sitting here getting I don't care what political, what side of the political fence I'm on. I'm just sitting here seething. I, mm-hmm. I mean, about some of the things that are being said and some of the things that are being lied about, and and, and I just go, oh man, what a way to right. live! You know, what a way to live! And if these people would just leave it alone, right? right. You know, and there's all kinds of reasons for it. We all know what the reasons are, and so on and so forth. But the but the the fact is. Let's try to live a little more peacefully, and if that means spiritually, well, then let it mean spiritually. Absolutely, yeah. Define it however you need. You know, I, I've been on this book tour, and I've had a lot of people say, "Well, how how can you live like this when you know there's war in the Middle East and people in this country are hungry and we have these crazy politicians running the world and on and on and on." And and my response is is really what you're saying is. Just go home and be kind to your wife, and you are affecting world peace. Go home and be good to your kid. Volunteer in your community. You know, reach out to the checker. Say thank you. Look somebody in the eye in your life and say thank you, like the checker at the grocery store. We want all these things outside of us to be different and fixed and better, and we blame and hide and deny and get angry about what isn't working. 
Well, take care of your business. As my daughter would say again, mind your own business. Take care of your home. If you are peaceful in your home, if you are raising peaceful and loving children, you are impacting the change in this country that we need to see to feel better and healthier in this world. Well, you know, it's as simple as smiling and giving somebody a pleasant nod and holding the door Absolutely. It, it really is that simple. It really uh, is. And and if you say, and God forbid you say hi to somebody that you don't know. <laughs> and look them in the eye. When's the last time somebody really looked? You know, I was at a party the other day, and a woman I was meeting for the first time says, well, now, it's nice to meet you. Tell me about your life. Tell me about yourself. And I was so struck. When was the last time I've asked that question? When has somebody asked me that question? She stood there for five minutes and was sincerely interested in what I had to say. Boy, you don't think that made me feel good and necessary and important? And I have gone forward and done that for other people. You can make the change by how you live in your moments in your life. Well, it, it is very true, and you can affect other people's lives. It's amazing. We have we have a, an organization that Deborah and I are involved with here uh, in our our neck of the woods, so to speak. Uh, it's a, a food bank. Oh, fantastic! Uh, it's an independent food bank, and the gentleman that runs it used to work for the largest food bank, basically, in the country. Wow! And and uh, and he started this food bank out of a out of a little one room basically office and and co- trying to collect food and and he gives mm. food away nobody ever pays for the food at the Valley View Community Food Bank it's always mm. free he's giving emergency food boxes to people all the time he gives away a thousand thousands of turkeys hundreds and thousands of turkeys for thanksgiving complete dinners to people wow fantastic uh, and it's all free and and we're and we're involved with them from a support standpoint and so on and so forth. Uh, and you t- you know you see people that are in need and then you and if you help them out in some way shape or form, it just makes you feel good. Absolutely. And, and why in the world people are, universally wouldn't wouldn't avail themselves of that? And it doesn't have to be the holiday season either. I mean, just mm-hmm. the failure, because it makes you feel that much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's something that everybody needs to do, and and that uh, that taps into your spiritual your spiritual self. Right, and and it doesn't have to be difficult. Again, I think we have this notion of how we're supposed to give to our community. We're supposed to give hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars. We're supposed to give hours and hours of volunteer. No, you can, like you said, you can smile at somebody and change their day. You And change your day, too, right? You can give of yourself. You can give your love. You can be patient one minute instead of cutting somebody off on the freeway. You can let somebody go in front of you in the in the checkout line. You There are countless ways that we can give of ourselves from the love and the compassion stand, standpoint that not only will change these the people you're impacting, but it's going to change your life. And you know what happens when then, – then here's where it gets practical again. So, So not only do you feel better, but what? You work harder. You're more efficient at work. You are a better father or mother or grandparent because you are feeling more connected because you're connected to your soul. You, you're feeling good. 
you are healthier physically because it changes your body chemistry and, and fills you full of all those things that reduce your cortisol and the stress hormones. So it, one little smile, consciously, be mindful, you know. I, I was in uh, the grocery store the other day and the checker was just a really good energy. She's a very positive person and, and it had been a difficult day for me. And she was just so kind and helpful and uh, smiling. And so at the end, I noticed and I looked at her and I said, thank you for that. I feel better because I was having a rotten day and I just appreciate your attitude. And I was the first person that week who had said thank you to her. You know, and it changed my experience and it certainly changed hers. So you're right. Give of yourself. If you can give to the food bank, great. Things like that are so important. And you can do that all year round. And you can also give a, a moment of kindness through a hand shake or by looking at somebody in the eye or patting them on the back or saying thank you and and change everybody's experience uh you uh included a, a chapter in the book on everyday courage uh mm-hmm. what is everyday courage right this was interesting to me um and it wasn't something i thought too much about before i started researching the book but the more that I uncovered um, these aspects of spirituality and the way to implement them in your life, and and that really calls on you to be accepting and and honest. And when you're accepting, you're looking at the world without judgment. You're you're seeing what is within you, and not judging that, but just noticing. Okay, I'm overweight, or. I didn't communicate very well with my husband or I didn't do a good job at work and or, or I, I'm unhappy with how I'm feeling about work or whatever it is. And to do that, I think, requires some courage. And I'm not talking about the running into a burning building kind of courage. What I'm talking about is called psychological courage. And it's the ability to really look at your circumstances and your life and see it without judgment and then be courageous enough to explore what that means. So if you come home every night and you pour two or three glasses of wine or a couple of drinks every night, then it requires courage to look at that habit and say, maybe this isn't healthy for me anymore. Maybe it's not helping. And that requires some courage just to see what that is, confront that, and take the next step into uh, treatment or support or whatever you need to do to get healthier. It, it takes courage. I wasn't honest in this relationship or this isn't working. This is not a good relationship because then what we we are in a position to confront it, to change it, to get therapy, to work with your partner, whatever it is you're going to do. And I think we underestimate how courageous we really are every day, how brave we are. We go to bat for our families. We step, you know, take on on projects at work that we don't know if we can accomplish successfully. We go to the doctor when we find the lump or a concern. Those are are courageous acts and and the thing that i want people to know is that we come loaded with this stuff we are all courageous people you don't just because you haven't been you know run into a burning building or been uh in a war doesn't mean that courageous courage isn't innate to who you are and now the bigwigs know that instead of being stuck with our allotment it's something that we can also build so the next time you speak up 
when normally you would remain quiet. You are building your courage muscle. You can develop this stuff. And the more you have, the more able you are to really look at the circumstances in your life that are or are not working, embrace them, accept them, and then move with them. Change them if you desire. Or or live with the circumstances and decide that, that you can handle that and be comfortable with that. And I think it's uh, not something we think much about, but it, it certainly plays out in our daily life. Well, and everybody has different um, levels and interpretations of what their own courage might be. Absolutely, right. And Uh, you know this for yourself. Like you're saying, if you sit down and get quiet about it, um, you might be surprised at what you discover. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and some of it, frankly, you may not like. Absolutely. You know, when I... When I was going, when I was going through my um, all that period of transition after the baby was born, um, I really didn't like some of the things I found. It was very uncomfortable. I, I had become very unfun. I'd, I'd become a person that was so concerned about measuring up to some ideal that I was um, not easy to be with for my husband. I was not fun to be around. I was I was stressed and angry and all those things. So. Yeah, when I when I saw how I was derailed, and when, you know the way this starts is you you just don't feel good. Something's up. You're, you're dissatisfied. You don't feel good physically. You may be sick physically. You don't feel good emotionally because you're unhappy, and that's a good sign that that you're looking outside yourself instead of within. And when I sat down and and went inside, it took it took a fair amount of courage for me to say, okay, I don't like what I'm seeing, and I'm gonna do that 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 certainly takes some courage and uh if, if i can do it you can do it for sure <laughs> <laughs> well it's uh it, it's a it's amazing because when people um are are more introspective uh mm-hmm. for the most part i think they uh it's i th- i think it's something that that the introspection changes them if they're doing it for the right reasons if they're doing it to justify the fact that they're a real SOB and say, "Well, mm-hmm. that's why I am," you know, and I'll be introspective <laughs> about it, and I'll and I'll be an SOB, and that's okay with me, and that's just the way I am. That's that's yeah. different than being introspective and doing it in a, on a positive level and uh, and and trying to change it. But I think if people are truly introspective from the standpoint of trying to be uh, better. And more spiritual yeah. in, in this particular case, in talking to you, then they're probably on the right track. That's a great point. You know, I, I write about motivation in the book. If you're doing any of this stuff because you're trying to impress somebody, or because you're trying to make your husband love you more, or because you are trying to make more money or get a fancier car, or if you're doing any of this stuff to excuse your bad behavior, just do just what you're saying, like, yeah, well, that's just who I am. At least I know that about myself. Then that's not what we're talking about here. But if you want to grow and expand and learn about yourself and make a positive contribution in the world, then these practices can take you in that direction. And this level of introspection can get you there, and you're going to feel better all along the way. I mean, really, right now, today, you can... Feel better in the moment, and then in the next moment it'll be a little easier, and then the next moment it'll be a little easier, and pretty soon you've strung a whole life together on these little feel-good moments, and I, I think that's what this is really about. Uh, I, I liked uh, I, I liked the opening uh, 
the opening gambit uh, in the information that was sent to me with regard to the the raisin in the child's nose. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, that's real, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, it is. That, it that's, is. That's that's exactly right. I mean, I I've got two granddaughters, and and my my daughters and son-in-law are doing a wonderful job raising them. But there, I I know they have their moments. <laughs> there are moments because for sure. Because one of them is just exactly like my daughter, and believe me, I know there are moments because mm-hmm. I had because I had mine, and and it. That's what my and, mom says too. <laughs> Well, her her mother said to her, uh, "I hope you have one just like you." And she's yeah. had, she's had one. Just, she has one just like. You. It's uh, payback. But, but yeah, paybacks are hell. Uh, there's no doubt about it. The, the, but talk about having to muster spirituality, and and muster some something from inside because it becomes yeah. very very difficult as a parent. And I remember back in the parenting days when I was younger and my. My daughter was with us. Um, uh, it, it takes at some point. It, it takes a lot of oh, self-control, emotion, spirituality, whatever you want to do. To, Absolutely, to keep your, all to of keep it. Yourself to, just to keep yourself together. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you know, even as a grandparent, I see it in my parents too, um, and and they're great grandparents, and they were great parents, but I see them looking at me and wondering why I'm maybe not doing certain things or I'm doing a little different. And I think I think at every level in relationship with a child and with each other, um, this stuff is, is, first of all, hard and helpful. And the reason why I think it's, it's so hard is because we tend to go with our analytical brain first, right? So we react to the circumstance. And we react in anger or hostility or frustration. And then we have a whole bunch of bad behavior we have to clean up. Because when I snipe at my husband or I do something that maybe isn't isn't great with my daughter in support of her, then I have to go back and clean up that mess of my bad behavior and, and apologize or explain or retool or figure that out. I don't think it's necessarily bad to feel those big emotions. I think it's it's difficult in how we deal with them. So what I what I recommend people do is next time you get triggered, if you can live with some awareness and just stop. Give yourself a, in my house we call it give give yourself a time out. I give myself time outs here. Because when I'm prone to anger and prone to lashing out or or being overwhelmed, that's the time when I need to know when I need to be aware and say, "Okay, I don't know what's going on here." but I need to count to 10 or I need two minutes to myself or whatever it is and go away or or stop the situation and say, I'll talk to you in one minute and just be in that emotion before you act from it. You know, so often we feel uncomfortable. We feel grief or sadness or anger and we want to respond right away because we want to move through that or we feel hurt. Sometimes in my relationship I get my feelings hurt and my first reaction to that is to feel angry which is not true, but that's how I get out of it because it moves me to another place. So sit with that big emotion. Identify what's going on, even if you just feel it in your body. Like like last night I had one of these moments, and I'm like, what is going on? I just, I'm feeling uptight. My back is all tense. What's going on? And just be in that space. And once you identify what what it is you're feeling and where it might be coming from, then you can go to the source of that. So, you know, I am just I got my feelings hurt. Or, you know, I felt scared when you ran across the street without looking, and that's why 
you know, I, I, mommy got upset or whatever it is. When you understand the source, then you actually can make it a teachable moment where you can work with that or you can grow into your relationship in a more positive way or you can ask for help. It's it's when we feel those big emotions and we react without any awareness at all that we cause greater problems. And, you know, we've all done this in our relationship where, where um, you're in an argument or, or something happens and you're in an argument and all of a sudden you're fighting about how you're fighting instead of dealing with the underlying issue that, that then doesn't get resolved. So if you can pause and take a deep breath and give yourself a time out, notice what is going on in your body, what it is you're feeling, then you're in a place, and, and those emotions aren't going to aren't gonna kill you. They're uncomfortable, but you don't have to move out of them right away. Just They bring cues and insight as to, as to what's going on so we can learn and grow through them and really come out. We move through that trouble spot then with greater grace, and it, it becomes a little easier to cope with when we come out the other Side. Well, I can I can pinpoint right now what your uh, uh, what your concerns were last night that caused you to be uncomfortable, and that was the fact that you were concerned about being on this radio show with me. Oh, it must have, yeah, Pete. This is... <laughs> <laughs> no, you're doing a great job. I couldn't wait to be on the show. <laughs> so, what uh, what is what is a spiritual practice? I, I think I, I think we've been talking around them here for for a while yeah. now, but but uh, can you be a little more specific? Oh, absolutely, and there are lots. You know, one that we hear a lot about right now is meditation, and that is the practice of of really sitting still. I think I put my feet flat on the floor. I'm in a chair. I sit straight. Um, my hands are on my thighs. I don't do any crazy poses or anything, and I just take deep breaths. And and really, uh, mindfulness meditation is really the the process of noticing the thoughts that come in. And you don't judge them, and you don't worry about them. And if they come in, you don't say, oh, I blew it, I'm not meditating. You just say, oh, there's an idea, there's a thought. And then it comes through, and it's just about paying attention. So that is one. Mindfulness is another buzzword that we talk about a lot today. And, and I love this, because you can do it any moment, anywhere, and you're going to feel better instantly. And what it is is it's just about paying attention. So next time you're washing dishes, notice what the water feels like on your skin. Notice what the soap smells like. Feel the texture of the pot uh, the, underneath your fingers, the smoothness and the temperature, and and really experience that moment with all your senses. Mindfulness is about paying attention, being mindful. And so and our minds are racing in what we have to get done or what's happening tomorrow or stresses about the, the doctor's diagnosis or whatever it is, that we forget how much we are able to do right now or what we are capable of in this moment. And mindfulness is a great way to bring you back to the present, to take away some of that stress, that underlying stress, and give you a little perspective. And it's interesting, you know, you can be mindful when you're driving and you actually see the stoplights you're going through on the way to work or or whatever it is. It can happen for a minute. It can happen for 20 minutes. So that's another practice. Um, another that is so powerful, and I, I did not believe in this, but it's gratitude. And it's, But when I talk about a gratitude practice, I mean stopping in your day long enough to really notice and feel the emotions that come with that gratitude. And a lot of people write this down. I, I write it down sometimes. Often I just do it out loud. I actually say the words out loud. People do it, you know, as they're drifting off to sleep or first thing in the morning. But 
it, it does require you to stop what you're doing and just focus on this exercise for one minute or ten minutes or whatever you choose. And it's the act of noticing the goodness in your life. So, you know, this morning I, I was grateful for the, that my husband made the coffee. And instead of just saying that, I sat there and really appreciated the feeling that comes when somebody does something kind for you and experienced that feeling. And then I went on to the next thing. What I suggest people do is that evening and, and pick three things or five things. And then the next day, in, as their practice continues, pick different things. And what that does is it challenges you all day long to find the good things in your life so you can be grateful for them the following morning. So it gets you looking at what is working. And as you know, what, what you give attention to multiplies, right? And so when you're focused on finding what's working in your life, you start to see that everything really is working and that possibilities abound and there is abundance everywhere. We just need to notice. So gratitude, uh, again, helps us bring the goodness into our life and feel better in the moment. And and people who have a practice of gratitude and the, the good feelings of giving that, that you mentioned before, and, and it just all cycles back. All this stuff relates to, to living better in the moment. I, I remember um, years ago when I was uh, back in the day when I was married to my former wife, uh, and we were arguing, and, and the relationship was just not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And we we sought counseling, and that was a half-hearted effort at best. And and I said, just make a list. Make a list of all the things that you don't find satisfactory in our relationship or in me and mm-hmm. then make a li- then make a list of all the things that that what what was it that was going on when you and I first got together and mm-hmm. I'll do and, and I'll do the same for you and we'll see which list which list is is greater and we'll try to make a determination whether or not the bad outweighs the good or vice versa yeah and and I, I let that go, and I said, "Did you make your list?" And she said, "Yeah." She says, "But they were all bad." Oh. <laughs> I said, well, I guess you get what you're well, saying. Yeah, I said, "Well, I guess we know where this is going." <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. You know, I did this last night when I was having that moment that I told you about, and and I was really in a place where I was very focused on all that my husband was not doing well. Um, which which really comes back to me and, and my you know we have to be responsible for our own lives and but anyhow and finally I just decided okay I'm stuck in this frame of mind I'm gonna just do the opposite and he was putting our daughter to bed and so while I was cleaning up the kitchen I was I decided to think of all that he does well and that's working in our marriage and by the time he came out it was over. Because I chose, you know, we all blow it sometimes. I screw it up. I make mistakes. And sometimes I don't. And I bring great gifts and abilities and and love and, and talents to the relationship. And we all do that. And we tend to focus on what is not working. So today, just in anything, your work at work or your you know, your job or your relationships or or your finances, whatever it is you're looking at today, focus on what is there. So when you're paying the bills, instead of worrying about 
you not have enough, focus on what you do have. I have enough to pay the light bill. Or this feels really good that I have money in the bank to meet my obligations. Or look at how wise I did budgeting this month because I have money left over. Whatever it is for you, even if you have very little, there's something good to notice. And when you do that, it will transform your experience and all of a sudden other positive things will be coming your way because they're there all the time. We just don't notice when we're focused on the negative aspect. Well, that focusing on the negative is interesting, That, uh, and, I, and I don't mean to be doing that in this conversation, but it, if something was brought brought to light with, uh, I mentioned that half-hearted counseling session mm-hmm. uh, many, many years, many, many years ago, um, and that is the, the, the person that we were talking to said that people have a tendency to take their hurts, uh, their angers, uh, and they put them in what... Uh, what they were calling a brown paper bag, mm. and and you never do anything with them. They're just always in mm. the brown paper bag until all of a sudden the brown paper bag gets so full it splits, or something happens and it starts it gets mm-hmm. spilled over. And then look out because now you're picking up all these things out of that uh, off the floor or whatever or out of there, taking them out of that brown paper bag. And you say, here, take this, you son of a, mm-hmm. and then take this, you turkey, and oh, here's another one, and throw this one at you, and and yeah. and it, Time, it's hard to come over. That's how to overcome that, because yeah. I mean, because all the positive and 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 nice things that you could think of are certainly not going to find a way through a whole paper bag full of stuff that was never, right. that was never cleared out in the first place. That's a great point, and and that's why I think um, the the spirituality stuff, as I like to call it, is so helpful. Because if yes. you're doing it, if you're developing a daily practice of these little things, if you're in a practice of giving gratitude, the paper bag then never gets completely full. Because in all that struggle, you're also seeing the the things that are working, and that gives you a place to start from. So when you go into that argument or your frustration and and you're sitting down or talking or erupting or whatever, you can still find your way back to to the things that you're, like last night, that's things I'm also grateful for. It can be all. You know, this life isn't all easy. Trouble is going to come. We are going to mess it up. We are going to hurt. There's going to be pain, all those things. And there can be great joy and possibility and gratitude and blessings in all those moments as well. So I'm not saying deny these feelings and this negative stuff that, sure, see them, but you can accept them without judgment. So you can see, okay, I'm angry at my husband. I don't have to go further and say I'm angry at my husband because he's a jerk and he never loved me. And I don't have to add to that pile. I can simply see what it is without the drama. And then I'm clear-eyed. I can make the next decision. I can choose to continue to be angry or work on this or move the situation or whatever it is. So when the negative stuff comes, look at it without judgment and say, ooh, I'm uncomfortable, you know, or I'm afraid, or this is a bummer, or I'm heavier than I'd like to be, but being overweight doesn't mean you're unworthy. You don't have to saddle yourself with all that drama. And then move into the next place, which is also true. So if you are feeling like you're in a negative spot, sure, evaluate those emotions and experience that, whatever, and challenge yourself to also find the meaning within that because often life isn't just good or bad. It's usually all of it at the same time, right? Things are not right or wrong. They're all of it at the same time. And when we get focused on one mindset, that's when we become trapped. When we are able to look at it from all sides, then we we gain perspective, and that's freedom. 
Well, it's it's interesting because uh, when when you were talking about um, sometimes it 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 just is. I mean, it's just the way it is. It, it, it's right. Yeah, there's nothing that you can do about it because that is life. Life, right. life, life is not all peaches and cream. <laughs> right. Know? And it's that old that old Irma Bombeck thing. I think it was that if uh, if if life's a bowl of cherries, why am I always in the pits? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and and you're going to find yourself in the pits. I mean, there's there's just no getting around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just think how boring it would be if, if everything was peaches and cream all the time. Absolutely. And, Pete, you know, it's the pits that provide the contrast. So if we had no challenge or no sadness, we would not be able to experience joy. And that's an okay trade-off for me. You know, I think faith comes in when you know you're enough to deal with the challenge. You may not well. I, I didn't. I certainly did not want cancer. You know, I didn't welcome that in. But that's what happened. I got melanoma. So in that moment, I made a choice. To, okay, what can be gained? What can I? How can I grow through this? How can I learn about it? How how can I live with this in in a way that that also, if this is the route I'm going, how can I live with it in a, in a way that is is bigger and better and insightful, so that the next challenge that comes, I'm I'm more informed or I'm more capable. And that's really how I approach that. You know, it doesn't take away the fear, but it eases the trouble a bit and allows you to see that that this is life and you are enough right now to deal with what comes so be present to it and and you know then step inside and and get close to your inner source your essence whatever that is for you and use these practices to just ease the stress and feel better and pretty soon you're you're done with it you're moving on and in and um that's 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 more capable, I think, and and more helpful than sitting around and worrying about when the trouble's going to show up because it's coming. You know, it'll come for all of us. But uh, knowing right now that that you can handle it when it comes, then it kind of lets you off the hook. Then you're free to explore the other things that are happening in your life because you'll be okay. Yeah, that acceptance thing is is uh, is a big deal, isn't it? I mean, you you've got, it, it you've, is. You've got to be able to accept the fact that it's just not all going to be everything you'd ever hoped for. And right. it's, just, it's it's just it's just the way of the universe. I mean, it is. you know, the universe the universe has explosions going on every day. You know. <laughs> and, well, and, and a lot of times the struggle, the things that we we are upset about, are simply changes or transitions. Right. That's that's what ended me feeling so dissatisfied a few years ago. They were all just changes. There was nothing wrong. It was just a transition, and I wasn't as skilled in dealing with it, so I had to learn. And and so you're right. The nature of the universe is to explode and expand and to change and to grow, and we are products of this universe. So it is our nature, too. And sometimes the change feels uncomfortable, but they're just growing pains, really. That's what it is. It's growing pains, and it feels uncomfortable until we understand ourselves and we know what we can do next and then we move through that and and it is the nature of of being having the human experience and when we get so caught up in trying to do it right or trying to have this perfect life that's when the trouble starts when we can just say what you just said but yeah things are going to happen that's the nature of it then we're free to even go through the trouble in in a in style <laughs> you know to live to transcend it in a way 
Well, there's T-shirts out on the marketplace that say things like "doo-doo happens." Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> I've never heard it just like that, Pete. <laughs> well, that, that "doo-doo happens" is a baby's T-shirt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> great. Uh, that's what they have on the little kid. <laughs> that's great. Uh, 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 so, if you had to give somebody some advice to or a suggestion, I think maybe not. Maybe advice isn't the right word. I don't know, mm-hmm. but certainly a suggestion to do one thing to enhance their spirituality, what would it be? Be grateful. Do it three times a day and build it into your schedule. I told you I'm very type A. I write this stuff in my calendar. When I get up in the morning, I start with gratitude. My lunch break is a two-minute gratitude practice. Right before bed, it's a two-minute gratitude practice. And I find three things each time to give thanks for. I do it out loud, and I feel those feelings in my body. And it's Crazy. I was a non-believer on this stuff. It seemed too simple to me. It's crazy transforming. It, you'll feel better. You'll start seeing your life differently, and then anything's possible. Okay. Good words. Good words to end it with. Uh, we always try to give our guests uh, a little moment here at the end of the show, and that's kind of where we are right now, is to, to give your shameless self-promotion. Oh, Any- my shameless Well, I love this book, and I want everyone to buy it. (laughs) It's called Imperfect Spirituality, Extraordinary Enlightenment for Ordinary People. And I really believe in this stuff, and it's worked in my life. Throughout the book, there are the practices we've been talking about. One minute of your time in the middle of your day, which can change your day, and and really change the lives of the people around you, too, and, and help you make a positive contribution. Helps you live with your greater passion and purpose and find meaning in these moments. So Imperfect Spirituality, Extraordinary Enlightenment for Ordinary People. You can get it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and bookstores in your neighborhood. And I have a lot of this type of stuff on my website, which is free. And you can go to imperfectspirituality.com. You can link to the book there, or you can read the posts, which are just tips and and thoughts from myself and other people about how to live from this perspective and and to just really feel better in your day. I also teach classes on the Daily Om and Udame.com about getting rid of your limiting beliefs. So you can find me throughout. I write for a number of publications, but imperfectspirituality.com, the website and the book, uh, is a good way to start about about developing um, your your inner source so that you can get through the trouble spots a little easier. And living with an attitude of gratitude. Yes, absolutely. I think I it's where, the easiest I, and I don't know where powerful. I heard that. Yeah, I don't know where I heard that, but I didn't make it up uh Whoever made it up is uh, much brighter than I, but uh, an, <laughs> an attitude of gratitude, and I don't know where I got it. It, it, it was something on, uh, I'm sure it was something on the idiot box. Some things every now and then you can get something good off that. Uh, off that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, thank you very much, uh, Polly, for being with me today. I, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, uh, it's been a, a very quick, move, quickly moving hour, and uh Quick moving hour, fast hour. Anyhow, it didn't fast. seem like we were here for an hour. Let's no, I didn't. <laughs> Pretty we'll, fun. Well, thank you for having me. Well, I've enjoyed it as well, and uh, we'll uh, have to touch base again here real soon and see if we can do another one later on down the road. Thank you. I would love that. Okay, sounds great. Thanks again, and have a great holiday, right. Holly. Take care. You too, Pete. Thank you. Take Bye-bye. Care. Bye now. And that was Miss Polly Campbell, uh, author of... The uh, the book Imperfect uh, 
gratitude. I'm sorry, imperfect spirituality, extraordinary enlightenment for ordinary people. Imperfect spirituality, extraordinary enlightenment for ordinary people by Polly Campbell. Uh, Barnes and Noble, any of the booksellers, Amazon, it's all available at all those locations. I uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation today. I certainly did, and uh, we'll be back again tomorrow with more conversation and different topics, and we hope you can join us at that time, too. Until then, have a great day, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon, and uh, hope to hear from you uh, tomorrow. I have to have, have you on the radio with us listening again tomorrow. Take care. You've been listening to Arizona Boomer Radio with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. To reach the Boomer and the Babe, email host at boomerandthebabe.com or friend them on facebook.com slash boomerandbabe. And on Blog Talk, you can friend them at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomerandbabe. Be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life. And remember, at 50, you're just getting started.